want to welcome you this morning to the Word of Life. I'm thrilled that you're here with us today. We're beginning a brand new series. I'm really, really excited about this series, and I trust that you will, too, as we go forward. I, want, I just want to share with you a, a word that I felt like the Lord was giving me during worship today, especially with the last song, and it's probably all because of that last song. It is just a phenomenal, phenomenal song of God's grace and what He has called us to do and to be believed. If you would just close your eyes for a moment. I don't know who you are, but what I was seeing as the song was being sung over you was your world. I could see like a globe over you. It would be your world, and it would be your family, it would be your friends, it would be your job. It would be those things that you are dealing with in life. And I just felt like God was whispering to me that, that I'm in charge of that too. Listen, this world, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed if you would. This world is a big world, and God has this in the palm of his hand. There's nothing taking place that God wouldn't be able to handle. He can handle it all. But listen, sometimes we forget about our own world. Sometimes we forget about what is happening in us right now. And maybe there are issues, and maybe there are challenges. Maybe there are doctor's reports. Maybe there's financial difficulty that's taking place. I want you to know that don't think that God is only the God of the universe and of the world, which is incredible, but he's your God too. And he wants your God, your world, I'm sorry, he wants your world to be moving in the right direction. So I challenge you with that. So Father, as we go into this today, as we go into this series, as we go into this message, I'm praying that God, you would just whisper to every one of us. We need to hear from you, Lord. And I do pray for those at our church who are dealing with tremendous challenge and difficulty. God, I ask you to meet them. God, I ask you to invade their world with your beautiful presence and that God, you would meet that need and you would be glorified in the midst of that. And I give this to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen. If you want to go ahead and grab your tablets, your smartphones, whatever you're going to need to follow along with us, uh, I encourage you to do that. Um, this is week one of a five-week series. This is going to take five weeks to get through, and I'm really excited about it. And the series is entitled Hearing God. Hearing God. Jesus says something in multiple places in the Bible that just blows my mind. It, it blows my mind. He says in John chapter 10, verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Again, he says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Think about that. Think about that with me just for a moment here. According to Jesus, what Jesus says, there is this supernatural interaction between human and the divine. And, and almost always, almost always, probably I, this is my number, 98% of the time, it is inaudible. In other words, you can't hear it. It's impossible to hear with the ear gate what's being said, this kind of connection, this kind of communication. But the triune God of heaven whispers. He whispers a, a thought in your heart or in your mind of a, uh, uh, on that person, of that person. And when he does, when God speaks to us, it changes everything of that person's life. When God speaks to us, we're never the same again. We're never the same again. As I start the series, I just feel impressed to do this right now. We believe this book here, the Bible, is the Word of God. And we follow the Word of God. It is for us to follow. Come on, give me an amen to that. But I'm not just only talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about God speaking to you. And God speaking to me as our Heavenly Father that we're in relationship with. So when God speaks to us, when He does, it changes everything of that person's life. When God speaks, we are never the same again. Allow me to share with you the first time, the first time I've ever heard God speak to me. Many of you know about it, but I'm not doing it for your sake. I'm doing it for those who don't know about this. And that is, on July 5th, 1971, my whole life was changed before my very eyes. For the first time, I know that I heard God speak to me. And I was in the south side of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 16 years old, at, uh, back in 1971. And the path that I, was, uh, that I was on that particular time of my life, ultimately, ultimately, it would have led me to absolute heartache. Absolute shame and maybe even uh, uh, destruction as far as I know. I don't know at all, but thank God he intervened. I was raised a Roman Catholic. And uh, as a Roman Catholic, I was an altar boy. I was in the church choir. I was doing different things at 16 years old, 15, 16 years old. 
very active with the, with the church. In my opinion, I was active. And uh, I believed in God, but I didn't know God. Let me say that again. I believed in God, but I didn't know God. I didn't know him. My oldest brother, 11 years older than me, was in the Navy at that time, down stationed down in Philadelphia. He invited me to come down to be with him for the summer. I walked into his home. I have a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. I've got a couple of bags. i got hair down on my shoulders. Every time I say that, I want to make sure nobody's looking at me and going, yeah, right, sure. You were born like that, and you've lived like that all your life. No, I haven't. I had hair down to my shoulders. But anyhow, my brother looked at me, and he said these words. He says, Randy, you need Jesus. I mean, he was dead serious. You need Jesus. And I looked at him. I said, I'm a Catholic. And then he said these next words. He says, no, I mean, you need to be born again. What does that mean is what I said. To him. I had no idea what that meant. I immediately resisted everything that he said to me. Everything that my sister-in-law was saying to me, I just, I kept on saying, but I'm a Catholic. It's okay. I'm a Catholic. I understand this. Finally, I told him and his wife after a time of talking, I said, I'm not going to go to that church. I'm not the least bit interested. I'm a Catholic. Everything's fine. Discussion is over. And I just didn't want to talk about it anymore. My sister-in-law ended up, now remember, I'm 16 years old. I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm not at home. I don't know a whole lot of people except for my immediate family that's there right at that particular time. And uh, I, I, my sister-in-law uh, approached me and she confronted me with a word from God. It was her word from God to me. She confronted me with that. And she like yelled at me when she said this. 16 years old, I'm a punk. And he, she says to me, she says these words. She says, you are filled with pride and you need to be humble before God. You are filled with pride and you need to be humble with God. And as she said that to me, I, I, I think she just woke up from a nap and she was in a bad mood, but she was like yelling that at me. And I, I, looked, I looked at her and I knew she was right. And then I immediately started to weep. I had to get out of that room where I was at with her. I remember we were right by the washer and dryer when she looked at me and said that. I had to get out of that room and I went outside and I, I began to weep. Because number one, I knew that I was afraid of God. And I am afraid of God. I don't know if you are, but I'm afraid of God. He's a little bit smarter and bigger and stronger than I am. Anybody else? Give me an amen. So I'm, I'm afraid of God, but deep down inside, I knew that God was doing something with me in that day. I didn't know what it was. I had no clue. After all, I'm a Catholic. I don't need any of that, was my answer and my thought. But yet, somehow, I knew that this was God. I, somehow or another, I knew that I needed to pursue. I needed to go to that church service that she wanted me or they wanted me to go to. I had to do that. So my experience was when I went to that little small Catholic church in south side of Philadelphia, very small church, we went down in the basement, and down in the basement there's probably anywhere from, from 40 to 60 young kids, college-age kids, uh, uh, teenagers, you know, whatever. And there were uh, half a dozen of priests and nuns, and they were playing guitars and singing, and I'm in the back row, no pun attended for the, all the people in the back row of the church, but I was as far away from them as I could be and all of a sudden, as they began to worship, something began to invade my heart. Something began to invade my life. I heard them worshiping God. I never, I never in all of my life heard what I heard that day. And I began to just weep. And I'm thinking, I'm looking around and seeing these people. And their, their tears are flowing down their eyes. I'm looking at them like, man, this is, this is incredible. As soon as it was over, I walked right out of the building. There, there was an exit door down in the basement. And I walked up. And there's a set of stairs going up. And I walked up. Over here to my left is, is the Philadelphia Phillies uh, Stadium. I could throw a hard ball probably and hit the stadium. That's how close it was. Something's going on in the stadium. I'm assuming it's a game. And I walked over here to the front lawn. I'm over here in the front, very small. It's about as big as this area right here of the stage. And I remember just looking up at the skies. The, something's going on in the stadium. I just walked out of this church, and I looked up in the sky, and I said this to God. If this is real, I want it. If this is real, I want it. And all of a sudden, something hit me like a ton of bricks. I just began to weep. I began to cry. I began to speak in other tongues. Now, I know... That there are people who don't really know what that means, but it's speaking a heavenly language. It's something that God gives us as we seek after him. I wasn't asking him for that. I didn't say, give me the, the gift of tongues. I didn't do any of that. I, all I said was, if this is real, I want it. And he hit me with that. And I'm weeping and I'm crying and I'm speaking out in other tongues. And I'm probably doing that, I don't know, five minutes? Maybe it was ten minutes. Maybe it was an hour. I don't know. I don't remember. But all I do know is that I came back into the church. 
And when I came back into that basement and there were all these people standing there, there's one big tall black guy, he was probably six foot 20, and he walked over to me and he said to me, he said, uh, have you been crying? And I said, yeah, I have. And he says, did you just give your life to Jesus? And I just wept and I fell in his arms and he held me and I just wept, I wept. My whole life was changed. And in that, in that time of doing that with God, I heard God speak to me and say, I have called you into full-time ministry. I've called you into full-time ministry. I'm a kid. What the heck does that mean? I'll tell you what it means to me. Since I'm a Roman Catholic, that means he wants me to become a Catholic priest. That's what I believe God told me to, to, told me to do. And I began to cry and I said, God, no, no, please, no, not a priest. I don't want to be a priest because I want a woman. I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't want celibacy. I want a woman. For those of you who don't know what a celibacy means, I had to look it up because I was so afraid that I was going to become a priest. And this definition was, was accurate. And that is, to be celibate means to live in the state of voluntary uh, being. Let me read it again. Live in the state. I'm, see, I'm so nervous with this word. I almost had to become this. Live in the state of voluntarily being unmarried and sexually abstinent. No! God, please! <laughs> and of course, the great God of heaven, my heavenly Father who hears my every prayer. I didn't have to become a Catholic priest. And if there are Catholic priests here or even listen to this podcast, you don't know how much I respect you, man. You just don't understand how much I love and respect you. But anyhow, all I can tell you is, is that after God spoke to me that, I w- that way, I was never the same again as a man of God and as a happily married man as well. Never been the same again. Listen, listen. God still speaks today. His voice and guidance wasn't only for the saints and the prophets of old, but it would be for followers of Jesus then, and it's that way even right now. It's the same right here today. I'm excited about the series because I believe that many are going to benefit greatly from this five-week series. Five weeks. As always, I share with you, I'm going to be pulling some thoughts, different thoughts from Highlands and Gateway, Brooklyn Tabernacle. I showed you the book a week or two ago about uh, Whisper that is coming from Mark Batterson. Great book. Great book. If if you're interested in hearing the whispers of heaven, it's, it's a great book for you to get and for you to read. So I'm pulling some different information from there. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I want you to learn. I want you to learn how to listen to God. I want you to learn how to listen to God. I'm going to be saying some things over the series, and today in particular, and I'm not trying to assault you. I'm not trying to belittle you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But the fact of the matter is, we do believe that God speaks to us. The voice that spoke the cosmos into existence is the same voice that parted the Red Sea and made the sun stand still in the midday sky. And one day, one day, this voice is going to make all things new, is what the Bible says. He's going to make all things new. There's going to be a new heaven, and there's going to be a new earth. He's going to make all things new. And this voice is also speaking to you right now. Not this voice, but his voice. As I'm saying, as our worship team is leading, as that is happening, the Spirit of God is speaking to you, whether you know it or not. And you are either listening or you're not. You're either turning the dial to the frequency that you can hear God or you're not. That's a decision that you and I make every day. But that voice, that voice is God's voice. And what we have learned from the scriptures is that he often, he often, most of the time, I think I said about 98% of the time, and I don't know if I'm accurate, it probably isn't, but about 98% of the time, the way God speaks to us is with whispers. It's with whispers. And the reason for the whispers is not because He's trying to frustrate you so that you have to really listen to God. He's doing this so that he can draw you closer to him. As God whispers, what happens when people whisper to you? And I have some hearing impairment. I have some difficulty with hearing. But what you have to do when people are whispering to you, you got to get as close as you can. I've been with men and women down here at the altar when after service and praying with people and the band is playing, the, the worship team is playing. I often have to get close and I apologize to the women. I'm sorry I'm this close, but I can't hear you. I need to hear you. And that's what God wants. God wants you and I to get to the place where we sit back and say, I can't hear you. I need to get closer to you than ever before. Because God wants to draw us closer to himself. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud. 
But what is the main difference between a believer in Jesus and a non-believer? What is the difference between a believer in Jesus? What is the main difference between a believer in Jesus and a non-believer? Well, the, the main difference is, the answer is, a believer has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's really hard for me to believe that that relationship does not include communication. And yet, there are entire persuasions of theological thought that God doesn't speak anymore. And I don't know what you think about that. But there are theological persuasions out there who say God doesn't speak anymore. These are born-again believers, people who love Jesus, love God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, all that other stuff. But they don't, they don't believe that God speaks anymore. And I don't know what you're thinking about that, but I'm thinking you're crazy. You are crazy if you think that God doesn't speak anymore. That's nuts as far as I'm concerned. Can I be rather uh, open and transparent today? Uh, that God doesn't speak anymore, it's crazy. To think that God spoke for 4,000 years, that we have recorded history. God spoke for 4,000 years to people, both Old Testament and New Testament alike. God would physically, verbally speak to people. They would hear God. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, after the first century, he got this bad case of laryngitis or or according to those persuasions who believe that God doesn't talk anymore over these last 2,000 years, for some reason, they say for some reason he's just not talking anymore. That's crazy. Come on, would you think with me about this? Would you think with me about this? Would you be thinking that this would, that's crazy talk, it's crazy thought. So the difference is we are in a personal relationship with Jesus and that means God talks to us. God talks to us. I'm going to prove that to you today. Listen, let me go a little bit deeper, deeper with this thought. God talks to us. If you're praying about a new house, if you're looking to relocate or, or have a different home, go, you know, go up. Marianne and I want to go down a little bit. We don't want to go with more rooms. We need to get rid of what we've got and have something smaller. Well, however it is, if, if you're praying about or thinking about um, a different home and there's also a believer looking for the same kind of things that you're looking for, an unbeliever is looking to get a bigger home, smaller home, a different home, whatever the case may be. Let me ask you a question. Is there any difference in the way that these two guys approach that particular situation? Well, of course there is a difference. The unbeliever gathers all the facts he can possibly gather, tries to do the very best that he can to make the proper decision to buy the right home, and then pulls the trigger and makes it happen. But for the believer... For the believer, he also gathers all of the information he can possibly get about the home, everything about it that he can possibly get, but he goes a little bit deeper. Gets all the information that he could possibly get about the home, and then he would ask God, God, what's your will with this? What is your will with this? And then he says, finally he says, God, I want you to show me your plan. Show me your plan. Show me what it is that you may want to do. Uh, wouldn't you rather make a big decision like that based on God's knowledge that rather than just your knowledge? I think you would. Because the fact of the matter is that house may have a poor foundation and you don't know it. Maybe there's wiring or wiring issues or plumbing issues or maybe it's a worse neighborhood than you thought it was. Or maybe just maybe in five years that home is going to lose a lot of its value because of, who knows the because of. And these are things that God knows about. And these are things that God would let you know if you would only but listen. If you would only but talk to God and then listen to what he would want to say. Buying a home, for me, maybe not for you, but for me, is a very, very big decision. And for me to make that decision on my own ingenuity, strength, whatever, is craziness. But to turn to God and to let God give me a peace that passes understanding, for God to whisper to me about that home that I should take, I would do that. God wants to be involved that way. In fact, James tells us we have not because we ask not. So we may go out and buy that car. We may go out and buy that home. We may whatever without even inquiring of God at all about that thing. And we end up sometimes making a big mistake. But if you, if you would, uh, if you would uh, personally involve yourself with God, if you, would, if you would personally involve yourself with God um, and let God speak to you, you're going to find that everything is going to change for you. I don't want to sound condescending with what I'm going to say next, but I mean it in the way that I'm saying it to you, and it's this. Talking about buying a home, buying a car, whatever those things are. I feel sorry for you. 
I feel sorry for you that you have a personal relationship with someone who never speaks to you. Never speaks to you. I don't want to know. Don't tell me that you're one of them because I, I don't want to know. But I'm sure there are a number of us in here don't even think about listening to God with whatever it is that we're praying about. We just make decisions. We just move forward. And I, I feel sorry for you that you, you have a personal relationship with someone who never speaks to you. And by the way, I don't know how, how much of a personal relationship that you're really having with somebody if they never talk to you. If they've never talked to you, how can that be personal? Oh, I get it. I can open up the word and the word of God encourages me and strengthens me and lets me know and all that other stuff. But what about those personal things? What about the more intimate things that are not written in the word of God that is the truth of God that he would want to communicate with you and I? Yes, God still speaks. And we're going to cover all of that in this series. But let me first show you some things about God. I love what Robert Morris says on this particular subject. He says this, hearing God is not something you do, it's something you are. Let me say it again. Hearing God is not something that you do, it's something that you are. And if by chance you don't understand what that is talking about, you probably don't understand the concept of even hearing. So it's not, this, it's not something that you do, but it's something that you are. And let me, let me show that to you in the scriptures. Go with me to John chapter 10, if you would. John chapter 10, Jesus is contrasting himself. As he begins this verse, he's contrasting himself as the shepherd. He is, he is, uh, he is a shepherd, and uh, he is the good shepherd, is what he is saying. And he's comparing himself to the devil, who is a thief and a robber. His name is the devil, and he is evil and wicked. So go with me to John chapter 10. We're going to begin at verse 1. Again, if you don't have a Bible with you, projection is going to be on the screens behind me. John chapter 10, beginning to verse 1. Most assured, this is Jesus speaking. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Listen to verse 3. This is incredible. Verse 3. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he, calls, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. The Bible tells us here, the scriptures are telling you and I, that, um, that God hears us, that we can hear God. Uh, it, it doesn't say, the sheep hear his voice is what it says. And, and the Bible doesn't say that... that uh, he, they felt impressions from God. And I want to let you know that God will give you an impression. All of a sudden, you'll sense something that I should or I shouldn't. Whatever that may be, God does that. He's big enough to do those kind of things. But this is speaking about specifically about the voice. It's, it says they will hear his voice. It, it's not talking about impressions. And I'm just blown away that people honestly believe that for some unknown reason that God has chosen not to talk to us anymore. Not to talk to humankind anymore since he wrote this, his word, the Bible. And again, this is everything to us. This is our guide. This is everything that we follow. We line everything up in our walk with God with this book right here. Give me an amen. And, and that's what we believe. But why is it that God would all of a sudden stop? Now they say, uh, they're seeming to say anyhow that Jesus sees no value whatsoever in speaking personally to his children ever again. What does that mean? Why would God all of a sudden do that to us? Why would all the generations before, for thousands of years, God talked to us, talked to people uh, in a regular way, in a, in a normal way, and now all of a sudden he's not? Let's go to verse 3 of that same chapter, just verse 3. It says, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The new King James Version says the sheep hear his voice. That's in the Bible. The Bible says the sheep hear his voice. That's what the Bible says. And he calls. And, and when he uses the word calls, that means that he's using his voice. He calls his sheep by name and he leads them out is what it says. Go with me to verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice for they what they what know his voice is what the bible says they know his voice and if you're if you're at all beginning to doubt whether god 
Jesus really is the great shepherd. He says in verse 11 of that same chapter, he says, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Go with me to verse 16 of that same chapter. This is incredible. This is just incredible. It says, uh, verse 16, and it says, and other sheep I have that are, that are not of this fold. Let me stop right there for a moment. Other sheep that I have that are not of this fold. Let me talk to you about this just for a moment. What does, what does that mean? Jesus is speaking about the Gentiles, of course. And he is talking to, the, he's talking to this group of Jews, and he's letting them know something like this. Jesus is saying something like this. Listen, guys, you need to know that there are other sheep that I have out there that are, that are not of this fold. And really what he is doing, of course, all theologians are in 100% agreement with this, with all of this, and that is Jesus is talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about us. And, and what Jesus is saying with all of that, and I thank God that he has another fold because that includes you and me. It's not just for the Jews. If you were not born in the Jewish race and you end up being a Gentile, all of who God is to the Jews can be for you and I. He came for all people of every race, of every kindred, tribe, and tongue. Would you give the Lord a round of applause? He's a good God. He's a very good God. And he says in verse 16 there, he says, and they, which is us, and they will hear my voice. He's talking specifically about the Gentile. And they will hear my voice. As much as I'm giving it to you, the Jews, I'm going to be giving that voice, my voice, over to the Gentiles. So that means that I, Randy Chiz, I can hear God. I can hear God. And that also means that you can hear God's voice as well. As a Gentile, we get to hear God. Jesus is making it very clear at the end of that verse. And he says, uh, they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and there will be just one shepherd is what he says. Go with me to verse 27 of that same chapter. John 10, 27, and he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Let me ask you a simple question. My question is, is Jesus the shepherd? Let me ask it again, because maybe that was a little difficult to figure out. Is Jesus the shepherd? Are you following him? Then you're a sheep. Then you're a sheep. You're a sheep. Today's message has been entitled, uh, I am a sheep. And the reason why I put that like that is because I said a few moments ago, hearing God is not something that you do, but it's something that you are. And you and I are sheep according to the word of God. Even as Gentiles, we are sheep and we are following God. So what do sheep do? They hear his voice and they follow him. This is Jesus talking here. I really don't care at all. I don't care at all what other believers are going to have to say about this. So if you're in disagreement with me, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to shut you down. I don't want to talk about this. I don't care what you've got to say about God, whether he speaks or not any longer. He does speak. and It's not for me to argue with you on. I really don't care what other people have to say. But I love what Mark Batterson says in the book Whisper. Let me just quote you just a couple of sentences here. He says, does God really speak to me? Well, most people are unsure, but his voice is all around us all the time. His ability to speak is not limited by our human range of hearing. So if if you want to hear his voice, you just have to learn uh, some new ways of being able to listen to him. Nothing will change the, your life's trajectory or determine your destiny like a whisper from God. That's how we discern the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God and seize divine appointments. It's when God speaks to us. It's incredible to even imagine that he does, but he does do this. And this is what makes us different, even though... Jesus is comparing us to sheep. This is what makes us different as a human being. We were created in the image of God, and our God is a communicative God, and he is a God who speaks as well. The whole reason why you and I have the ability to hear and to speak to God is because you were created in the image of God, and he is a hearing God, and he is a speaking God, and you and I were created in that very same image. So let me ask, why would God create you with the ability to communicate and then not communicate with you? Why would God do that? It makes no sense to me. Why would God make it so that you and I could communicate with God, but yet he, he's not going to communicate any longer? That would be horrible as far as I'm concerned. That would be a horrible thing that God would do to you and I. 
if indeed he did that. He didn't, but it would be a horrible thing. God who created you with the ability to communicate, and God also who has the ability to communicate, but he just doesn't communicate with you anymore because you have a book? I don't agree. I don't think it all, that's all that there is, but I thank God for the book because it aligns when he does speak to us. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that God does that. It's just a ridiculous thought, and I believe it's even an outright lie from hell itself. And I have a good Greek word that probably most of you would understand. It's nothing but a bunch of baloney. There's the Greek word that's not Greek. It's a bunch of baloney. God does speak to us. You and I were created in the image of, of a speaking God, and he created you with the ability to hear him because he clearly says, I am the good shepherd, and my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. I want to share with you three different thoughts behind all of this as to who God is and what God is doing with us. Number one, number one, three things of the abilities of God. Number one, it's inherent. It's inherent. Go with me to Genesis 1.26, and it says these words. It says that then God said, I'm just going to read the first part of it. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. It's inherent. In other words, inherent means is that you're born with it. It's innate. It's natural. It's built in. It's instinct. You're hardwired. Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice. When you're born again, you're born again a child. When you're born again, you're born again a child, a child of God. And he is the, the shepherd, and you are the sheep. And you as sheep have the ability to hear what the shepherd is saying. And this is what makes it all different for us. Again, comparing us to the sheep. We're created in God's image. And as a result of that God's image, we, we are able to communicate, and he is able to communicate in the same way. You and I were created by God, created in the image of God, who is a hearing and speaking God. Let me go to the second point of this, and that is it is learned. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it is learned. Number one, it's, it's inherent, and number two, it, it is learned. 2 Timothy 3.14 says this, But you must continue in, in uh, the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. It's learned. I'm assuming that there are some people who are thinking when I say it's inherent that you would sit back and say, but wait a minute, you're, you're now saying that it, it, uh, a contrasting thought that you've got to learn something with all of this? Yeah, I am. I'm saying that exactly. And let me prove to you, absolutely prove to you the greatest example of all of that, what that looks like. And that is children. What about children? What about children? They're born with the ability to communicate, but they need to be taught. They need to be taught how to communicate. They need to be taught words. They need to be taught sounds. They need to be taught pronunciations. They need to, pronounce, uh, uh, they need to be taught grammar and language. <coughs> they need to be taught grammar and language. Dong gummit, Billy, Billy Bob. Ain't that right? Dog gummit, Billy Bob. Now, in case you're wondering where did I get that from, well, that's the language of the southern hills of South Carolina, which is where my daughter and my, uh, her husband and my five grandchildren are now being raised with that kind of language taking place. Dog gummit. But God can speak through that too. If you're from the south, I don't want to offend you, but it's a little bit different than the way we speak up here in the north. But anyhow, children need to be taught what to say and taught when to say it. Think about it. Children need to be taught what to say and, and, uh, and when to say it. So we learn in our ability to hear God. We learn in our ability to hear God. The disciples asked Jesus a question, would you teach us to pray? Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And Jesus said, obviously, I, I would. And then he starts off, he didn't, doesn't say this in the Bible, this is Randy Chiz's version, but he starts off saying, God always intended prayer to be communication between a father and his children. If you really want to know what prayer is, prayer has always intended to be with God. It would be a communication between a father and his children. That's what prayer looks like. If you're not much of a praying person, that should be a goal that you would have, is that you would begin to communicate with your heavenly father the same way that should you have children, siblings, however your life may be made up. So the disciples asked Jesus again. He, they said, would you teach us how to pray, how to talk? Let me remind you. Let me remind you that hearing God is the second half of prayer. Prayer is not only talking. Prayer is also hearing. That hearing God is the second half of prayer. Because if you can't hear God, I want to know, why would you even pray? 
Why would you waste your time coming into a room, closet, whatever it may be for you that you pray, and you never, ever, 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 ever hear from God? I, I can't believe people would do that, but I know people do, and I know I used to do things like that. And of course, the Apostle Paul says, of course, make your request known to God, and peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and mind. I understand what the scripture says about that. You don't always have to only hear, but we can make our request. But, but God never intended prayer to be a, a giving of our to-do list to him every morning. Here you go, God. Make this happen for me. Here is my list of what you're to do. And if, if, uh, if you would just take time and listen to what God has to say, you're going to understand he wants to just communicate with you. He wants to whisper to you so that you draw close to him and you can hear his voice and your whole life will be changed before your very eyes. Too many believers do this, though. In prayer, it's all one-sided. It's like a good friend of yours making a phone call to you and all of a sudden you pick it up, hello, and they start talking. They go seven minutes without taking a breath and then they hang up the phone. And you were not able to respond to them at all. Not at all. That's how it is with God with us. So many of us take that 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever prayer time you have, and you get in there and boom, man, you just tell God what you want and you hang up the phone and walk out the door. And here's your heavenly father, his hands, hands are up like this. And he is saying, wouldn't you like to hear what I've got to say about that? Because some of your prayers are pretty deep and pretty important. Don't you care what God has to say about whatever it is that you're dealing with in life right now? He wants to speak to you. He wants to show you. He wants you to understand. He wants you to hear him so that you would be able to move forward. We can be taught how to hear God, and we're going to do that in this series. I'm going to teach you over five weeks how you can hear God. It's going to change your life if you would but apply what it is that we're going to learn. In fact, let me say this, this much with you today. I'm going to say this much. We'll go over this again a little bit deeper. But let me at least let you take this away with you as you leave out of here in just a few minutes. And that is, um, here's how you can begin to learn how to hear God. I want you to, first and foremost, I want you to make a decision for the next 30 days. Every day, I'm going to get alone with God. Every day. For Randy Chiz, it's about 5 in the morning. Here in this room, I get alone with God. So I challenge you every morning that you would get alone with God. The next thing I'm going to ask you to do is that you would get a CD either on your phone or however it may be, and I want you to do at least one, I'd love to have two, worship songs coming in. I want, I want there to be worship happening with you. I know you just woke up. I'm saying every morning, by the way, the start of the day, I'm asking this. Uh, I, I know you just woke up, but I want you to begin to worship God. Let them do all the singing. Let them do all the words. But you have your hands there before God. You worship him. I love you, Jesus. I love you with all of my heart. However, whatever would be taking place. The next thing after that, as you worship the Lord, is that you would just begin to read his word. I don't know what your, your practice is. You may have only devotions. I challenge you to get a Bible, and I challenge you to open it up. And on you version, of course, there's a, a Bible verse for every day, and you can jump from right from the Bible verse into different things. And as you're reading that, you've worshiped God, you're now with God. As you're worshiping God, you're now reading the Bible, and then I want you to begin to listen. I want you to begin to listen, and I want you to have a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil, and I want you to start writing down thoughts that come into your mind, whatever those thoughts are, whatever those thoughts are, whatever those thoughts are, just write them down. Doesn't have to make sense to you at that moment, but just write down that thought. And then as a result of that, after 30 days, I believe what you're going to do is you're going to contact me. I want you to do this. Contact me and say, Pastor, I'm hearing God today. I'm hearing God in a way I've never heard him before. You watch what God whispers to you, and you're able to clearly write that down and understand that it's God speaking to you. I wrote this down on my notes. Uh, for your information, this past Friday, 5 a.m., I was here at the church, and I was putting, Friday morning, I was putting all of this message together. And so I had spent some time with God, and I had my worship time. I had all of that. I was with God, and uh, I got a word from the Lord, and he said this word to me. He says, I love you spending time with me. When I walked up that aisle and walked out of here, I heard God say, I love you spending time with me. I'm not all turned on to myself, and I'm speaking that to myself. Oh, man, Randy, you are so wonderful. I love you spending time with me. I heard my heavenly father, and he said to me, I love spending time with you. That motivated me to continue on, and it motivates me every time God speaks to me. Number, number three, it's inherent. 
it's inherent. Did I say the first one? No. Number one, it's inherent. Number two, it's learned. Number three, it's matured. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 14, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. And it says these words. It says, brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. We need to mature. So let's think about the kids just for a moment again. Do children need to mature in their communication skills? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me remind you, children are... Uh, children, before they're ever taught, will say things that they shouldn't say and do things they shouldn't do. In fact, I have a little video that I want you to see about some children doing some of that. One of the areas that we need to mature is in hearing God. We need to hear God. And it might be even your religious upbringing that you're thinking that you heard God when actually it may not have been God's voice. Uh, we will learn more about all of this in a, at another time in a different message. But let me at least say this to you, that if you don't have a Bible chapter and verse that backs up your thought your idea, your principle that you believe that you heard from God, then I'm here to tell you as your pastor, you haven't heard from God. So whatever you're thinking, it, it may be from a religious upbringing that you had, your church, denomination, whatever. Um, it may be something that they embrace, but is it really found in God's word? Is it really found in God's word? I want to conclude by sharing with you, I would say is the most life-changing moment of my life outside of me coming to know Christ. This is about my transition that Mary Ann and I had from West Point when we were there and coming here to Word of Life on June 1st, 1992. If you were a part of any of our membership classes, you've heard some of this, and I'm sorry you're gonna have to hear it again, but I want you to hear it because the conclusion is completely different than you've ever heard before. On February 1st, 1992, I had just completed a ski retreat weekend with about 75 cadets from West Point, and uh, <clears throat> I've been a chaplain there since, uh, since November 1st, 1987, and finally, things were going really good. They were going really good for the church, really good for the work at West Point. And I'm driving home with my youngest child, who is my daughter, Michelle. And uh, she rode home with me. She went to the retreat with me, and we're on our way home. And we're on Route 17, heading back to West Point. And uh, as I'm driving on that road, God spoke to me a word. He gave me a clear word from heaven, a clear word from heaven. I can take you to the exact spot on Route 17. I can show you exactly where I was at in that car when God said the word to me. And his word that he said to me, clear as day, is I'm taking you from this place and I'm taking this place from you. I'm taking you from this place and I'm taking this place from you. I heard God say that. Immediately I began to weep. Immediately I have tears running down my cheek. My daughter is looking out the window over here, singing out her little heart with whatever song. She's looking out the window. She doesn't see me crying. She doesn't know what's going on. But I heard God. And it was the last thing that I wanted God to tell me. The last thing to have happened in my life. And I wept. And I was confused. Marianne, that evening, was scheduled to go to a cadet ball with two cadets. 
that night and my friend Rocco Di Trollio, a missionary to Argentina, was there to speak for me because I had spoken all weekend, I just wanted a break. And so I walk into the house, took pictures of Marianne and the cadets, she looked beautiful. And I went over to my buddy Rocco, I grabbed the whole of him, hugged him, told him I loved him. And I said, I need to go to church, I'll be back in a little bit. And my church was about the size of our youth building on East Street over here, the East Street building. And a small little thing, but it was my church. I remember walking into that church, falling on the linoleum floor, arms spread out, and I began to beg God, why are you taking me from here? What have I done? I repented of every sin. I repented of the sins I've repented for for years, you know. What did I do wrong? Why would you be doing? That's a strong word. I'm taking you from this place, and I'm taking this place from you. I couldn't figure it out for the life of me, and, and God gave me no immediate answer whatsoever. Finally, I told Marianne about it on Monday morning. This was a Saturday, and on Monday morning I told her, and she interpreted that word that seemed so hard to me. I'm taking you from this place, I'm taking this place from you. She began to tell me, she said, honey, and my wife is great with this, she's able to, to use great wisdom in all these things, and she said, honey, I, I'm just telling you that uh, God is gonna be taking you from West Point and, and uh, another work he's going to lead you into. There's gonna be another work he's gonna lead you. And I'm gonna take from you the vision that you have for West Point, the vision that you have for these cadets, the responsibility that you have, for, and I'm gonna give it to another pastor. It's not gonna be yours any longer. And I had no clue with where I was going. I had no thought whatsoever where I was even going. It wasn't even, I wasn't even wanting to go. I mean, there's there no reason to go. And all of a sudden I had that. Three months before my God spoke to me that word, our father died. My, two of my brothers are in the room with me right now. Uh, our father died on, on November uh, 28th, 1991. It was Thanksgiving Day of that day my dad died. And uh, God began to speak to me. He began to share some things in my life in rather subtle ways. Um, when my dad was near, nearing death, I would often leave West Point on a Sunday after a Sunday morning service and come home and be here a day or two and then go back. I did that multiple times. Sometimes Marianne was with me, the kids were with me, but most of the time they weren't. But it just began to hit me. God said, I'm taking you from this place. I have no place idea where I'm going. And God began to speak to me about some things that the former pastor of this church, the founding pastor of this church, Dan Rott, what he would say to me. When he, he was a good friend of my dad, and when I would come home and be in the hospital room with him, Dan, the pastor, Dan Rott, would speak to me and say, well, Randy, if, if you were leading Word of Life, uh, it was Baldensville Assembly of God, if you were leading Baldensville, what would you do with this? And what would you do with that? I, I, I don't know, and, and we would talk about that. But God began to speak to me in subtle ways that all of a sudden thoughts began to enter into my mind. And the thoughts were, listen, as much as this is for me, these kinds of things can happen for you. And as these thoughts began to enter in my mind, in March of 1992, I really began to feel that God was wanting me to talk to Dan Rod about that, those, those occasions that he would talk to me about the church. So I asked him if I could personally sit down and meet with him. He said, of course, and I loved him. My dad has died, and Dan Rod was like a father to me on many levels. He was a great guy, and, and I told him what God said. I'm taking you from this place, I'm taking this place from you, and Dan, I don't know what that means. I have no clue what that means for my life. I know I'm going to be leaving, but I don't know where I'm going. I have no clue with all of this. But I'm running it by you because you're my, my pastor and like a dad to me. And Give me counsel. Show me what to do. And, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, that conversation began to change. And I asked him this question. And I said to him, because of the way he approached me, I said, are you thinking about retiring? Is that what you're doing? Are you thinking about retiring? And this is now April 3rd, April 3rd of 1992. And he said to me, yes, I am. And I said, when? The end of the year? This is April. The end of the year? And he says, no, the end of the month. And I said, why would you do this so quickly? And he said, would you consider being the next pastor of Word of Life? And I immediately said, no. <laughs> I did. I said, no. God hasn't spoken to me about this yet. So I drove back home and was with Marianne, and I began to share with her those things that happened. And wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know, on Sunday evening, April 5th, two days later, at 7 p.m., I received a phone call from a guy by the name of Max Seiler, who was the head of our trustee board at that particular time. And uh, he said, Dan Rott just retired today, two days after we talked, just retired today. Would you consider coming to candidate for Word of Life? And I said, yes, I would. I know that Marianne and I, I had the phone out so she could hear it too, and we both agreed. We shook our head. And I said, yes, we, we will come to be interviewed. And that happened on June 1st, 1992. A moment more, just a moment more. 
Fast forward to April 2016. April 2016, just two years ago. Pastor Dan Rott died on February 21st, 2016, and his daughter called me on the phone and asked if I would officiate a memorial service for Dan Rott. Of course, I was humbled and I was honored to do that. And I said I would. She not knowing that I was going on a sabbatical, that was the beginning. I went to, I did the Easter Sunday service on, in April, on April 20, uh, 27th. And, uh, and from that day on, for the next eight weeks, I was not in the church, I did a sabbatical. But week number one, I went and did Dan's funeral. I went and met with him, met with the family, and I ended up doing that funeral, and this is what changed my life. This is what changed my life. I shared with them as I began to open up the service, I began to share with them what I heard from God. I'm taking you from this place and taking this place from you. My meeting with Dan and that he told me he was retiring. I told him all of those steps that took place. And after we were done, his son, who is Doug, Doug Rott, who is a missionary, one of our missionaries we've been supporting ever since this church was birthed. Um, he's a missionary to the Netherlands. Um, he walked up to me after the service and said, Pastor, um, your story is incredible what God spoke to you. It is incredible what God said to you and that you seeking out God. But he says, I want to let you know there's more to the story than what you know. There's more to the story. And this is what blew me away. This is what, this is what confirmed me back on August 20, back in August 2016 that I should be pastor here. Finally, I get confirmed that this is the time. He said, he said to me, um, um, and, and by the way, I will say this too, for years I feared that by me asking Dan, are you retiring, did I, did I push him forward with that that he didn't want to do? Because that wasn't my motive. That's not what I wanted to do. So I was fearful of that, and he, Doug, told me this. He said that his father knew that he was done with pastoring Baldwinsville Assembly of God two years before this meeting that I had. He knew that he was done. And the more important thing is, he knew that I was to be the next pastor of this church. But he respected me, and he respected the call of God in my life. And there was no way that he would intervene uh, in my life and say, I'm done, you take over. He waited for God. He had the faith to wait for God. For two years, this guy waited for God. So when i came to him and said to him dan here's what god said i've taken you from this place and taken this place from you and i don't know where i'm going and i don't know what to do immediately he knew that this was god and he could now say would you come and consider candidating here and i said no but i ended up saying yes two days later when i when i met with all of these people um, this family i'm telling you i fell apart just knowing that that word that God spoke to me after that retreat and the things that began to happen and God continuing to speak brought me here. I'm here to tell you, this has been the best decision of my entire life of being here at Word of Life for 26 years now. Had no clue how long this was. I, I think it's gonna be about 45 years altogether before I'm out of here. Um, it's gonna be a while. But anyhow, the point, the point is that God changed everything to me for me. Would you please stand to your feet? God's voice, he wants to speak to you. Nothing will change your life's trajectory or determine your destiny like a whisper from God. That's how we discern uh, the good, pleasant, and perfect will of God. And we, dis and we seize those divine appointments that he has for us. You need to be listening. You need to hear of God. If I could have our intercessors please, please come and stand along the front. They'll pray for us. We're going to do our last closing final song. And if you would like prayer for anything, come on down. I don't care who you are, what your need would be. We want to pray for you today because we believe that God answers our prayer. We do. We really do. So as they come and as they begin our last worship song, please hold off. If you've got to go because of an appointment, I get it. The hot dogs and the hamburgs are cooking right now. Don't worry about it. We're going to have plenty of food after this, this, uh, this service. Go ahead, guys.